remember if I bring up repentance a lot tonight, he started it. Okay? He got it going. He did say something about Nehemiah. We are going to shift a little bit this evening from Nehemiah because that was a part of the series. You're going to understand that more as I move into it. But I've been unpacking. If you've not been here, I'm going to encourage you to get the series. This is part four. Um, In this series, I've been unpacking a moment in which I was preparing a, what I call a canvas teaching on the book of Nehemiah when God spoke to me through the Holy Spirit that he was calling an audible and that there were some things that he needed his church to understand and Nehemiah would no longer be the canvas that I had been preparing but would be a backdrop to some key points that he needed the church to understand concerning fixing the spiritual walls of this nation. If we were truly going to see things change, the spiritual walls of this nation need to be fixed. The first thing was that it is the church's responsibility to rebuild and fix those spiritual walls. The other thing that we learned from Nehemiah, which was point two, was that we are going to have to earnestly repent as a church. And who's the church? That's you and I. It's not a building. I've said this before, I'll continue to say, buildings are tools to me. We are the church. And so the church has got to earnestly repent. And the church needs to earnestly repent in behalf of the rest of the church. And the church needs to earnestly repent for this nation. Anybody disagree with that one? No, we need to earnestly repent. We need to earnestly pray. As we learned with Nehemiah, Nehemiah didn't waste any time. He heard the report. It says that he immediately <laughs> sat down and he, pried, and he prayed day and night. And he cried and he wept before God. It says he also fasted. So when I say earnest prayer, it's asking the question, when was the last time you pulled an all-nighter? When was the last time something happened in this nation that stopped you in your tracks and you prayed until God released you? That's earnest prayer. That's earnestly praying about what God drops on your heart. We've got to have earnest prayer. We've got to have earnest humility. Not just before God, but we've got to walk in humility before each other. It's important. I mean, we run around with all our songs about they'll know us by our love, and then we sh- we're, we're anything but humble with each other. Humility is important. We've got to walk in humility before God and before each other. Then the next key point that he wanted us to understand in fixing the spiritual walls of this nation was that the church has got to stop being silent. The church has got to start proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got to start defending the gospel. We've got to start defending the gospel. I got more amens on preaching it versus defending it. Because we have opportunity just about every day to have to stand up and defend the gospel. To get up and speak the truth back against that that is false. We got to speak the truth. We got to defend the truth. The church's responsibility. And then last week we looked at one of the key components to doing the first part is that we got to stop being distracted as a church. And one of the number one distractions that I identified for all of us 
is our carnal nature, our carnal desires. Our carnal desires get in the way of the call from God to fix the nation's spiritual walls. We get so caught up in our own desires, we forget the call on the church is to what? Earnestly pray, to walk humbly before God. To defend the gospel, speak the gospel, and to earnestly repent. The enemy will take those things that are even good and distract you with them. And as I've said before, even if it's good, it may not be good if it's keeping you from the call of God. If God's told you to stand up, he's told you to speak out. He's told you to be the one that gets in there and earnestly repents and earnestly prays. And you're so busy doing what appears to be good and you're not doing what you're called to do, then you're in the wrong place. Distractions keep us from fulfilling God's will. Now, we're going to kind of move off away from Nehemiah in part. We're not going into Nehemiah tonight. But it's because of Nehemiah that we're going to release the message to all of us tonight. When I preach this, I'm preaching right back at myself again for however many times I have to. Because the reality is you can never hear it enough until it just gets seated inside you. When I look at the life of Nehemiah, as I've studied it, as I've told you before, he's my favorite person in the Old Testament to study. I won't go back over what those reasons were. But when I look at Nehemiah's life, here's what I see. I see a bona fide commitment to the call. I see a man that was fully committed to the call to do what God said. A bona fide commitment. Now, bona fide means genuine and real. When I look at his life, I see a man that had a real commitment to what God had called him to do. This is a man who earnestly repented, earnestly prayed, walked in humility. He defended what God had said. He spoke out what God said. And he refused to be distracted with the work because he said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down and meet with you. And we're doing a lot of meetings in, with, in places where we need to stop meeting in places and start doing what God's told us to do. A man with a true, genuine, real commitment to the call from God. Now, with that point made, I am bothered with a lot of what I'm seeing and how Christianity is being presented. It's being presented many times like a brand new, multi-level marketing company. Minimum risk, maximum rewards. Receive Jesus on your own terms. Live it as much as you want to, and when you don't want to, don't worry about it. No real life change required. The early believers, the church, the early church, they turned the world upside down because they had a bona fide commitment to the call. They had a commitment to bearing witness to the light. 
It was real, it was genuine, and they would do it at all costs. If we're going to fix the spiritual walls of this nation and really see some change, all the things that I've taught up to now, we must do. But there is the higher thing, and that is, are we bearing witness to the light of Jesus Christ as a church? Wherever you go, are you bearing witness to the light? Are we fully committed? Is our commitment real? And are we willing, as I stated a few weeks ago, are we willing to do it at all costs to bear the witness to the light of Jesus Christ? It's very important that we answer that question. I'm going to ask you to stand as I read our opening verse tonight as we honor God's word and set our hearts and minds to hear what God wants to say to us tonight. Ephesians 5, 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Father, we come to you tonight and we thank you for your presence here right now. Some may not sense the reality of what I'm sensing. There is a heaviness of your spirit here but it's a heaviness that's in a good way. That your grace is moving and being in our presence along with your Holy Spirit ready to minister your truth to all of us. So open ears, open eyes, and open hearts, Holy Spirit to hear what the Spirit of the living God has to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Warren Wiersbe says this. I love this. He says, yes, let God be the judge. Okay, somebody needed that tonight. You need to let God be the judge. And he said, your job today is to be a witness. Your job today is to be a witness. Let me ask you a question. How many times in the morning do we get up and one of the first thoughts we have is how am I going to be a witness for Jesus Christ today? Or can that thought even get there because of the agenda that we have set before it? Hello. My job today. Well, my job today is to make a living. Yes, but your primary job is to be a witness while you're making a living. Your job today is to be a witness. Here's how I like to live my life. If I can end my day, whether I got everything done or not, or did everything right, if I can end my day and say I was a witness for Jesus today, then I've done well. Wouldn't that change everything for you in the nighttime? Not everything worked, but at least... You are a witness for Jesus today. And maybe it's because of the way you handled how everything went south. And you go home and rest that I was a witness today. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says, You are the light of Christ to the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence. I am always amazed how fast people read past that. Why? Because we're all caught up in doing good deeds. But let me tell you something. Without the moral excellence, the deeds give for, they just, it don't mean a whole lot, okay? Good deeds are great. Everybody wants to celebrate the good deeds. But it's good deeds and moral excellence. Both. And moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your father who is in heaven. Is our life on a daily basis bearing witness to the light that my life shows that I give glory to God who deserves the worship? I read something just recently. And I'm not going to quote his name, but you would recognize the name. It's a devotion I'm, looking, I'm reading from someone who is really a general in the kingdom, in my mind, and made the statement that the world is not receiving from the church because they think the, the church is weak-minded in their commitment. We have got to change the narrative and be committed people to the bearing the witness to the light. Anybody with me? I know that we're being told that nobody wants to hear, but let me tell you, they do. They're looking for a people who will stand up and stay up and stay committed and not sway. Bearing witness to the light. One of my pen truths I'm going to give you tonight We must take the mask off and bear witness to the light. I stated two weeks ago, we got to stop being silent. We got to take the mask off. We've got to quit being a Christian when it's convenient. We got to, we got to quit flipping the mask on when it's not convenient to be a Christian and be something else. We have got to take the mask off and be the bearers of light. Do we want to fix things in this country? Do we want to see things change? The church has got to wake up and become the church. And we are the bearers of the light. We are to bear witness to that light. And we've got to take the mask off. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It says here that we are ambassadors for who? God. God making his appeal through who? Us. Oh, I thought it was just through the pastors. No, us, y'all. Don't you love that? Through you. We're ambassadors. Now, let me say say it this way. I've been waiting all day to do this. You know, Mike Anderson over here, He has the power and authority to shut your electricity off. I've heard him talk about, well, we saw that go down. We just shut it down. That's power. (laughs) But listen, before that authority, before that title, he is an ambassador of Jesus Christ before the title. Before I'm a pastor, I am an ambassador 
of God. In which he is making his appeal through me to bear witness to the light. Before whatever you are, whatever your title is, whatever your title's not. I got a friend that says, I'm a go-getter. He's retired, his wife's not. He go gets her here, go gets her there, takes her there, does this. He's a go-getter. Before he's that, he's an ambassador of Christ Jesus. Let's step back for just a moment and let's settle something. Your number one title, your foremost front title, the title above all titles, your position above all positions, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. First. First. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Is there a truth to the church needs to repent? Yes, because we have forgotten who we are and we need to repent of not walking in who we are. That's another thing about Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew who he was. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. Billy Sunday said this, conversation, I mean conversion, is a complete surrender to Jesus. It's a willingness to do what he wants you to do. I agree, that's true conversion. I'm going to do what God tells me. What did Jesus say he did? He only did what the Father, what? Remember all that? I just do what the Father said, what I see, all that stuff. That conversion, walking out, being an ambassador of Jesus Christ, bearing witness to the light means that I am going to do whatever God tells me to do. And why? Because of what he did for me doesn't get any simpler than that what he did for me the question i want to ask tonight what was the last thing god told you to do to bear witness of the light of jesus christ that didn't promote you that he told you to do did you do it did you do it not Get to it. And if you're not sure, you need to spend some time with the Father. An earnest time with the Father. And hear from Him what He wants you to do. You know, um, I can get on my soapbox with this one. We want everything to change, right? We want everything to change. We want everything to change around us, except us. We want everything to change. We want the world to straighten up, fly right. But not me. I'm good. You just haven't hung around with me long enough to know that I'm, I'm okay. That's back to what? Walking humbly before the Father and before each other. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, God's own purchased 
special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I'm going to read that passage of scripture from an unpopular translation. And I know how unpopular it is. So just I've stated that. I know how unpopular it is. But I'm going to read a portion from it from that verse for a reason because of a point I want to make tonight. Let's read this in another translation. God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I am to bear witness to that. I am to be the ambassador to those truths and those realities. Here's the question I want to ask out of that particular verse that drives me to, when was the last time you told your Jesus story to someone? Your Jesus story. You don't need to know the Roman road, that's great. I can teach you how to take a napkin and build, you know, have a canyon on each side and build a cross on it and show them how to cross over to the other side. I can teach you how to do that. Good stuff. But what's going to impact most people the most is your personal Jesus stories. When was the last time you shared your Jesus story with someone? Because when you're sharing your Jesus story with someone, you are bearing witness to the light. You are being an ambassador of Christ to the world. You're being his envoy to the world. And I skipped over this, but the ambassador from the Baker Encyclopedia says it's an envoy, an official representing a higher authority. Do we represent a higher authority? We are his envoys. I'd like to ask the question, how well of a job are we doing? You notice I didn't say how well of a job you're doing. I said how well of a job are we doing? And being his envoys, his ambassadors. Let me give all of us tonight, in the time I have left, some advice on being a Christian. Is that okay? (laughs) Some advice on being a Christian. You mean he's really going to try to give us some advice on being a Christian? Really? Some advice on being a Christian. Number one, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You don't just represent yourself. You don't just represent your family. You don't just represent your job. You don't just represent your church even. You represent the one and only true God, El Shaddai. And that's who you represent above all others. And that is who you should live to please. Remember who you are. You are a child of God. You're an ambassador of Christ. And you represent the great and mighty El Shaddai. And I'm going to ask the question again. How well are we representing El Shaddai? 
Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now let me skip over the next passage and I'm going to go to this reality. We have got to start living a God-conscious life. A God-conscious life. I mean so much so that it's hard for us to get away with anything because we're so conscious of the fact that God's word is true, that he's omnipresent and he's right there and he heard you, he saw you. You didn't hide anything. You didn't get away with anything. Can we get to a place where we live such a God-conscious life that it keeps us in check so we do what God's telling us to do? Can we get in our pickup truck? I've got one. I get my pickup truck. Can I live a conscious God life that I literally see him? He's in the seat. He's with me. I know he's there. So I need to be doing what he's told me to do. A God conscious. We've got to start living that type of life. The dictionary Bible theme says the state of being aware, especially of one's actions and motives. Actions and motives. I think we're very aware of our actions and motives. We have just lost the conviction to those actions and motives that are not pleasing to God. Would you say there needs to be some repentance yet? There needs to be some seasons of earnest prayer. And there needs to be a whole lot of earnest humility. We want the world to change. And God is saying before that change can be in its fullness, I need my house to change. I need my body to set the bar. Amen? I need my body to set the bar. Keep your priorities straight. Number two, don't allow the pursuit of self-promotion. Now, let me dig a little bit on this, self-promotion. Here's what I'm seeing with self-promotion. Part of that is, is this insatiable need to be seen and heard. I guess I'm the only one noticing that everywhere. <laughs> this insatiable need to be seen and heard and needed to the point that it's become a major distraction in people's lives. And now they have carried over into self-promotion to the point that they're no longer really promoting God the way they should promote him. They're too busy promoting themselves. In the name of Jesus. We have got to be careful how we live our lives and how we promote ourselves. And who are we promoting first? Are we just using the name of Jesus to promote myself or am I using the name of Jesus because I'm tearing down strongholds for the purpose of changing the world around me? And the Bible tells me if I seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added to me. God will promote. I don't have to make it happen. He'll do it. I just need to be busy doing what he's asking me to do. He'll do stuff that you never thought possible if you get out of the way and just do what he's telling you to do. Don't allow pursuits of self-promotion, wealth, pleasure, power, notoriety, overshadow the reality that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ and you are to bear witness to the light first. 
So important. Here's the way I view it. I view it this way. I really exist for the purpose of being an ambassador for Jesus Christ first, and all these other things come second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. That's priority. Am I always on target? No. That's why Rochelle's in my life. Because I'll tell you one thing, she's not going to cut any corners when she talks to you. She's going to speak the truth. Because you know what? We can all get off, right? We can get off. But we need to be quick to repent and get back on track. Get back doing what God's called us to do. In truth, our hearts should be in a strong pursuit of God in an intimate way. Check the barometer of your pursuit of God. Where is it? There's been seasons where I have found that my pursuit is lacking because I'm pursuing other things. And it's overshadowing my relationship with Christ. And we can all argue, but it's good stuff. Yeah, but that good stuff is taking me from the right stuff. And so I've got to get that straightened out. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Read it from another translation. Instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you. And he will provide you with all these other things. I'm going to read that again. Instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and what he requires of you. This is free from the Holy Spirit. Quit trying to get somebody else to get locked into what God's trying to require them to do. Just get locked into what you're supposed to do. You see, we, we get off base spending too much time trying to get everybody locked in, and we're not locked in. Get locked in, God will start doing all the other stuff. And he will provide you with all these other things. I'm going to go on to point three for those that are running everything in the back. Hey, at this moment, I'm, I'm sharing some really important stuff with you, but can I stop for a moment and share something of even... I think at times greater importance, and that is that we don't show all the gratitude that we should sometimes. And I'd like for us to show the gratitude to all the people back in the booth, running cameras, doing all the things they do. They do a marvelous job. Would you just thank them for all that they do? I've already made them jump over some things tonight. You may not even really noticed it, and they're back there going, oh gosh, he did it again. And so, number three, It's all about God, not me. Why do you have to remind us of that? Because I'm going to remind you again. It's all about God, not me. It's all about God, not me. I'll say it one more time. It's all about God, not me.
It's all about bringing glory to His name. I like to ask myself, Corey, before you beat your chest that you've been doing that, ask yourself, did you do that today? How do we end our day? Are we ending our day with a heart and mind that is saying, what kind of witness was I today for Jesus? Was I an ambassador for him today? And did I bring glory to his name or was I too busy trying to bring glory to my name? It's all about him. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created and exist through him. That is by his activity for him. For he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I love this. His is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Who should we be giving glory to? Person holding it all together. Because I don't think we can hold it together. But he can. And we should be worshiping the one who can change everything around us. And we should worship him because he is the most amazing God only God, the great El Shaddai. I ought to give my all every day for him because he's so awesome. So I'm going to leave you with this before I get to my final statement. And I'm going to leave you with it because I want it to, I want it to hit and I want it to stick. I don't want you to walk out the door and go to Fast Taco before you go home and forget what I said. We need to be asking some serious Christian questions. Am I being a witness for Jesus today? Am I being the envoy for the great El Shaddai, the ambassador of Jesus Christ that I should be? Did I bring glory to his name today? Did I truly, truly bear witness to the light that will save this world? And did I allow him to shine that light through me? Those are Questions we Christians should be asking ourselves. Is that, is that not a part of our calling? Yes. We need to be bona fide, committed Christians to being ambassadors, to bring witness to the light, bringing glory to his name. Fully committed. Really committed. My final statement tonight that I've penned, a life bearing witness to the light, no mask, no excuses, full-on, bona fide commitment. Where is our responsibility to bear witness to the light of the world? I, like, I say it that way because I want to ask another question. Have we accepted our response? Or are we rejecting the response? 
but yet we want God to do everything for us that we want. But I don't want to do anything. Don't make any sense to me. What decision, what action must you step into to become a witness to the light? What action, what step do you need to take? What is that action? Maybe the action is pinning everything that I just said and posting it somewhere every morning so you don't forget. And then posting it on your rearview mirror, posting it at work so you don't forget. Maybe that's the action. It may be something totally different. What is the action? What is the decision? Maybe the decision is just to get down on your knees and get before the Father and repent. You know what's so cool about the God I serve? He rushes like a mighty wind and swarms you in his tender care and love. And he'll lift you up and he'll help you go do it. But that's that moment of humility. Or will we continue to wear a mask and be a Christian only when it's convenient? Questions we need to ask ourselves tonight. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I don't normally ever do that. But I'm following the instructions of the Holy Spirit tonight. That you bow your heads. And get along with the Father right now. Don't be thinking about someone else. or Get along with God for yourself right now. I can be a room with hundreds and hundreds of people and then press up against me. And I can get along with God. Ask the Father right now. What is the decision you need to make? And maybe what is the action also that you need to take to be bonafide in your commitment to be an ambassador of Jesus, to bear witness to the light of Jesus, and to truly give honor and worship to the great Al Shaddai every day? What is it you need to do? As I said before, I believe with all of my heart that God will extend his grace to this country once again, as he did for Nehemiah, if the church will respond to his voice. Father God, I come to you tonight and I thank you for your word. I know, Father, that this word is one that just settles on us. But there are moments where we just have to have a message that asks the question, where's our commitment? Where are we? What does it look like? Is it real? Is it genuine? Or is it fake? Because fake is exhausting. And real is life-giving. Father, I ask that you move in a very, very special way here tonight through your Holy Spirit and minister to every person.
And as they make those decisions, God, that you, your joy will arise in them in a fresh and new way. In the new day tomorrow, they will set forth their foot with purpose to be your ambassadors of the light. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Give him a round of applause for that. It's a wonderful message. Amen. So, you know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, right? Well, today is also the day of repentance. So when you're convicted of sin, which the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us, don't argue with him. Just repent, right? Repent doesn't mean, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, blah, 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 and you just keep doing it. Repent means you, the literal definition of the Greek word is a change of your mind. And you, if you're doing the right thing, then your mind doesn't need to be changed, right? So that means you sin and you repent and you change. That's literally what repentance means. So whenever you sin and you're convicted, just repent. It's really that simple. So if you have something you need to repent of, the altar's open. Um, we can get some prayers to come down. If anyone needs to come repent, just repent. The Bible says when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. We don't need to be saying, I wonder what they did. That's what most of the church does today. Oh, my goodness, look what they did. They're repenting of something. We need to rejoice when any sinner repents from anything because that means they're getting their life right with God. Amen? But far too often, we don't do that. We're, we're, we're all judgmental to a point. But we need to get rid of that and rejoice when anyone repents. Anyone. Because if the angels in heaven are rejoicing, my goodness, we should be rejoicing right along with them. And if the angels are rejoicing... Guess who else is rejoicing? Jesus himself, right? So that's what we need to do. Repent and rejoice with those who are repenting along with us. Amen? All right, well, it's great to see you all. Um, Pastor, can you wife come up here for a second? Let's, um, we would just like to pray over over you. They didn't know I was going to do this, but I just want to pray over you. If we could get some, some men to come and pray with, with him and some women to lay hands on her. Um, Let's just pray over them and bless them. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Pastor Corey coming into our church and blessing us, Lord, with the wonderful message that you have put on his heart and his wife, God. I pray that you bless his church. You bless every message he ever gives. And we just thank you so much for this man, Lord, the strong man of God that we want to stand shoulder to shoulder with to rebuild the wall with the church, Lord, the body of Christ. Thank you for him, Lord. Thank you for the mighty message that he's given us. Thank you for the motivation that he's given us, Lord. Through your word, you get all the glory for this. And we thank you for this man, that he is your vessel tonight and his wonderful wife, Lord, along with him. Just thank you. Bless those church, bless everything they do. They're going out, they're coming in, they're waking up, they're going to sleep. Everything they need, Lord, provide for this family right now. Provide for the church house that he's in. Provide for his congregation and the flock that he oversees, Lord. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.